Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Money FM 89.3, let's turn our attention to headlines coming out from the U.S. to Biden's administration giving 80 billion U.S. dollars to the IRS. The raid that was done on former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and the country providing more military aid to Ukraine. To give an analysis of those headlines and more, we have on the line Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLaughlin Associates. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon from Santa Monica, California. Always great having you on the show, Steve. Let's start with the Biden administration uh, plans to give $80 billion to the Internal Revenue Service, or the IRS, to enhance the tax authorities' enforcement processes and IT systems. Now, why is the Biden administration doing this now? Well, they're doing it because the IRS has really been cut off from funding for the past decade or so. Go back to 2010, there were about 94,000 IRS employees. That number's down to 78,000. So they don't have the resources to enforce the laws. Some of those agencies' computers even run on COBOL, (laughs) which is a programming that dates back to the 60s. So it's to really update the IRS. What the Democrats' messaging is, is that we need to get tax-dodging corporations and rich people to pay what they owe. And that's what the money is intended for. And that's hopefully, uh, for the Democrats, the message that will be heard by the voters. Republicans have a different idea, of course. And how could this potentially increase uh, middle class taxes in the country as well? Well, I mean, I think the plan is that it won't. That's certainly what's not intended. What's intended is there's a huge gap in the amount of money that's owed in taxes and the amount of money that's actually paid. And so what this money is intended to do is to go after corporations, go after um, high net worth individuals who have been avoiding the taxes. The the Treasury Secretary said that audits are only going to go for large companies and people earning more than $400,000 a year. Now, the Republicans will make the argument that, no, this is going to end up hitting everybody, but we'll see what happens. But it's not intended to raise taxes, at least not on the middle class. And elsewhere, I thought this one was really interesting. During last month's uh, phone conversation, new reports have surfaced that Chinese President Xi Jinping asked Joe Biden to prevent U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from visiting Taiwan. Now, why is this piece of news only surfacing now? Well, I think it's because of what has happened as a result of Speaker Pelosi's visit. Now, when President Xi, before Speaker Pelosi went, asked President Biden directly, according to the reports, not to have Nancy Pelosi go, I think that was a mistake by President Xi because there was no way that President Biden was going to do that. First, you know, Joe Biden is old school, right? He says there is a separation of powers between the executive branch and Congress and that he has no authority because they're co-equal branches of government. He has no authority to tell the Speaker of the House not to go. And second, if he were to tell the Speaker of the House not to go at the request of the president of China, that would make Joe Biden look weak to Democrats and Republicans who don't believe that China should be dictating to the U.S. what U.S. foreign policy should be. So there was no way Joe Biden was going to acquiesce to this request, even though reports are he believed Speaker Pelosi shouldn't go. So this really put President Xi in a position of getting turned down. Maybe this upped all of the 
response that China had, which I think is starting to backfire against China, because what they've done has been so unprecedented and it's rattled people in the region. Yeah, having said all that, should he have actually done more to prevent um, her visit? Well, it appears that they were trying to persuade her not to go, that all of the intelligence and that his very experienced Asian-China team had was that China was going to react very strongly, that they could use this as a pretext to try out all these military exercises if they were ever to go against Taiwan and militarily against the Cross Straits, and that this would be a pretext to do all that. But once it leaked that Speaker Pelosi was thinking about going, and when she made clear she would only not go if Joe Biden asked her and that she would publicize that, he couldn't do it because the consequences in the U.S. and from a foreign policy perspective would be too great of harm. Imagine what would happen if China were able to dictate to the United States what it would do, what the United States would do in, you know, in East Asia, in Taiwan, in the South China Sea. This would really upset all of the U.S. allies. So it was never anything Joe Biden could have done. He could have tried to prevent it before the ask, but after the ask, it ended up backfiring, I think, in a way, on China. Yeah, certainly not the last we'll hear on this topic. We're in conversation with Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. We have to talk about the FBI's raid on former U.S. President Donald Trump, his Mar-a-Lago residence. Now, what has the FBI uncovered from this raid? Well, it, it certainly seems that Donald Trump viewed the papers of the presidency as his personal papers. He governed this way as president, so it's no surprise that he thought that the rules did not apply to him um, and that he wasn't part of the government, that he was the government, and that he could do what he wanted to do. So he took a lot of historical documents with him to Mar-a-Lago, which were not his to take. These are the American people's documents. So what he referred to, the love letters, right, from you know Kim Jong-un of North Korea to Donald Trump, those letters are part of U.S. history. They are not his to take out of the White House and bring to his private residence. The letter that President Obama left for incoming President Trump, you know, on the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office, that is a historical document that has significant value to the United States of America, and that's not Donald Trump to take. So he just took everything that he wanted to take with him, regardless of the fact that they weren't his. They were the American people's. And so it appears that this search warrant um, and that this search, I wouldn't use the word raid, right? I mean, this was this was a legal search that was granted by a, a, you know, a judge um, because there was compelling evidence that Donald Trump had documents that were the United States government's that weren't his, that he may have committed a crime, and that you had to go back and get these documents. And so that's where we are, um, and we'll find out eventually what these documents are uh, if and when this goes to trial. And in terms of looking at taking legal action on this situation, what's the latest you can tell us? Well, look, I mean, there's no question that he violated the Presidential Records Act, as well as others who may have violated the Presidential Records Act by taking these documents that were generated in the Oval Office that belonged to taxpayers and that he just took them with him. Now, whether a former president is going to be indicted over this is really a political question. I think it's a pretty clear cut legal question that there's certainly enough to go to trial and bring this 
to a jury. But do you really want to take action against a former president for this in a criminal setting? That's something, you know, the United States of America has never done in its history. And so unknown what's going to play out from a political perspective. But legally, we know that the documents have now been returned to the National Archives um, and will now be cataloged. And we'll now see if anything else is still missing. Very interesting characters, a former president, Donald Trump, always in the news. Before I let you go, Steve, let's talk about the U.S., how they've announced a new $775 million military aid package for Ukraine. As the Biden administration has pledged to keep helping the country stave off Russia's continuing invasion for as long as it takes. I guess the real question is, how much longer can the U.S. support Ukraine in this fight with Russia? Well, I mean, right now, it would seem to be indefinite, um, unclear that there's any ending. I mean, this is the 19th military aid package to Ukraine since, you know, August of 2021. So it's been a year now that uh, aid has been going. So there's no reason to believe that that will stop. It's now up to $10 billion. It, it appears that it is really working. You know, while Russia continues to make, you know, incremental territorial gains, you have, you know, Russia on the defensive now. You have, because of the weapons the United States is providing and others, you know, what the HIMARS, which allows Ukraine to strike Russian military much farther behind the front lines than it ever has in the past. So no reason to see any end in sight. And look, we've always known this. The war's only going to end when Vladimir Putin decides it's going to end. And maybe this will push him in that direction. But so far, no reason to believe that there's unfortunately any end in sight. And what are some of the possible implications to the U.S. if the aids continue? Well, I mean, right now, the U.S. has a bipartisan approach towards Ukraine You know, the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate uh, and in the House continue to approve of this. Now, whether this goes on for another six months and if gas prices start to come back up again and this impacts inflation, will that bipartisan support continue? And I, I think that may be something that, you know, that Putin is hopefully counting on is that he can take more pain politically than the United States or the EU can and that he can wait it out. Uh, until uh, economic costs start to hit even harder in the West. So far, no sign that that's going to happen, but that's certainly something that the U.S., the EU are very concerned about, uh, is can they keep up the political support when the economic pain gets harder? And that certainly seems to be more likely to happen in the winter because of the price of fuel. We've been catching up with the latest headlines coming out of the U.S. with Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor at McClarty Associates. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of the day. You too, Adrian. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.